Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. My name is Tony Heil. I am Council Vice President in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I've spoken with people from every state, from Alaska to Florida, Maine to Hawaii, all points in between, from school board to U.S. Senate. And the most important elections I find are state legislatures, whether it's the great things happening in Michigan and Minnesota or the terrible, really disappointing things happening in states like Montana um, and Nebraska or other places where there's really good people, but maybe bad politics happening on the state level. State legislatures are critical, and the organization that's doing a lot to hopefully help with that uh, is the DLCC. What does that stand for? What does that mean? Well, you listen here and you'll find out. So I'm here excited to talk with my new friend. We may have crossed paths many years ago, but we'll never know. Uh, Heather Williams from the DLCC. We'll talk about her role, what the DLCC does, and hopefully why you should run for office. Heather, thanks for talking today. Yeah, thanks so much um, for having me here, Tony. I'm really excited. So um, as I said, you know, the people don't know what the DLCC does. There's a DLCC, the DCCC, the DSCC, the Republican counterparts to that. No one, no, regular people don't think about those things. Uh, what is what is the DLCC? Yeah, so the Democratic Legislative Campaign Committee is the um, national party committee responsible for state legislative races. We, um, at this ballot level, right, we touch people's lives more um, often and more impactfully than um, any of our counterparts. At least certainly that's my belief, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, we look at sort of the holistic map right around the country. We identify opportunities for Democrats to reach sort of their uh, greatest point in the states, which is a Democratic trifecta, um, right? But we sort of help um, our uh, campaigns and our partners in states uh, all along the way. And what's your role at the DLCC? Because I know we've had some leadership changes there. There's a lot of energy happening and and things actually have been going in a good direction in the last couple years. Um, What's your responsibilities? Yeah, so um, I am the interim president here at DLCC, which means that I get the privilege of, um, you know, truly being a storyteller for this organization, this ballot level, and um, the work that is done in the states, both on the electoral side, and then, um, you know, as we elect these really incredible folks to office, um, as we support that, uh, they become legislators, and they start to govern, and we get to tell that story, too. It's it's really such a privilege and such an incredible opportunity. Our team here is second to none. They are absolutely the best. As I kind of alluded to, we may have crossed paths in the past. I can't remember sometimes what I had for breakfast. Today it was just toaster like waffles. Not very exciting. Uh, but, um, you know, when... When did you first get involved in politics? Because I think we did. We both have some Iowa experience. We have a lot of mutual friends. When did you first get involved um, in politics in general beyond just voting? Yeah, um, so I went to college in Iowa. Um, it was a, a just like a hotbed of activity, right, in politics. Um, and it was hard, uh, you know, not to get involved, honestly, there were so many incredible opportunities. And at that time, right, you were so close to um, to the action, so close to the candidate, so close to the work. Um, so I dabbled sort of at a bunch of different um, ballot levels and landed firmly in a state legislative politics after um, sort of an official side um, internship in the state capitol and then political work. And um, sort of the rest is history. There is hands down, like no other work that directly impacts people's lives greater than what happens in our state capitals. And so um, I'm happy to have found sort of a home in this part of the work. 
Yeah, I really felt lucky that I went to Iowa. I had like an option through a training to go to Iowa or one other state. And I was like, of course, I'll go to Iowa. I don't know. I was so new. And I got to meet Al Gore, got to meet Howard, like just on the street corner. They're just hanging out a lot of the time. Was that your experience when you first got involved? Yeah, you know, they literally candidates and right, like surrogates and um, famous people that I was, I was like, who is that? Right. We're around everywhere. Um remember uh, Bon Jovi came into the office and everyone was like, Bon Jovi's here. And I was like, here. We were like, right there. And I was like, oh, great. Right. Like it just like you just were surrounded at any given time by really, really impactful people who were, you know, using their voice, um, using the platforms, right, that they had um, to advocate for, uh, you know, truly like a better country. Right. Um, And it was it was it was very neat to be around. For me, even from my earliest campaign, which was 2002, it kind of demystifies big names. Like I remember seeing John Kerry, who was about to run for president, and he's a very important, smart guy, multi-millionaire, involved in all this stuff. And not that I wasn't impressed by him, but I was just like, oh, he's just some other guy. Like Al Gore was second in line to the presidency, and he's just here being like a goof like me. And it's not, I'm not saying that in a negative way, just like, these are all regular people, which is great, but also kind of, you know, puts it in stark contrast of who actually is in charge of things. Yeah, it reminds you, right, that that uh, they are just real people, right, who have raised their hand for really important things. I think the other thing, right, that, that Iowa has done... Um, you know, it's such a, it was, it was always such like a retail politics state, right? You, the voters expected you to be in their communities. They expected you to be right, like at their door talking to them and, and frankly, like in their living room, right? Having real conversations about the challenges that they faced, right? The opportunities they saw, the solutions, you know, we were all trying to, to um, achieve. And, you know, that really has carried forward, um, you know, in legislative politics, like, that is still the cornerstone of what is done, right? The work that gets done in these communities on the doors, um, you know, having real face-to-face conversations with voters, um, disagreeing, right? And then learning how to um, advocate for, uh, you know, sort of the positions or the solutions um, and really just having those robust conversations remains an incredibly important part of this work. And, um, you know, I think we are really lucky to still see just really normal people, right, who raise their hand to run for legislative office. Like, these are not necessarily folks who have had years of, right, like media training and years of, um, you know, debate experience. They are just local community members, right, who are, are, are trying to make a difference and, um, you know, raising their hand to do this incredible work. And it's, it's, it's really neat. There are a lot of normal people who run, but unfortunately, there's a lot of abnormal people who run who may be becoming the new normal. Uh, so, You've been involved in state-level things for a long time. Uh, first of all, what do, you, what do you do with the DLCC? Because obviously, like you said, it's the retail politics level. You're not specifically doing the retail politics. The candidates are, those individual campaigns, right? Where do you come in? When does the DLCC start being invested in state legislative efforts in a state or district? Yeah, so, um, you know, to build a majority in a state legislature, it is done, right, like, uh, legislative district by legislative district, um, and honestly, it is sort of a permanent operation, right, the ones that, that do it best, it's not like a congressional campaign where you, you know, sort of stand it up and, and pull it down, 
Um, these are, you know, kind of real sort of permanent presence. Um, and our work, our, you know, incredible political team who is on the ground in, um, you know, these states and, and working directly with these um, campaigns, and legislative chambers are, um, you know, ensuring that we've got everything from sort of soup to nuts, right, that we've got good data, that we're targeting the right folks, that there are, you know, good platforms to um, communicate messages and to tell the story, right, of what's happening in the state capitol so that people can connect the work being done um, with, uh, you know, the challenges that we face in this country and um, with the, um, you know, the platforms or the ideas of these candidates. So as someone in Pennsylvania, I care about my state representative, but he's going to win anyway. Um, you know, we joke around locally, kind of like state rep is Tim Briggs. I love him. Uh, and we joke around who can match his levels of popularity in a precinct or district. Right? You get Briggs level of votes. Uh, but why should I, as a voter in southeastern Pennsylvania, care about a Democratic majority in any other state? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I actually think that that's, you know, been um, one of the sort of evolutions of this organization is really, you know, trying to understand how best to communicate, not just the, um, you know, importance, as you said, right, of like who represents you in your community and who represents you um, in Harrisburg, right, in the state capital in Pennsylvania, but more broadly, like, what difference does it make for us to have, you know, a majority in Pennsylvania? What does that mean for other states? And the truth is, right, the greatest example right now is nearly 50% of Americans have access to reproductive health care um, because of Democratic legislators. Mm -hmm. And um, those Democratic majorities, right, are leading in a way that is incredibly inclusive, meaning not only are they ensuring that folks that live, right, in their communities and their state have access to reproductive health care, but they're also considering how they can care for their friends and neighbors in states that that don't. And, um, you know, that looks like, of course, making sure that there's funding, right, for clinics, that, you know, the, the um, uh, like the distance between clinics, right, and state borders, right, it's very, it's a very, very thoughtful process. And, um, you know, that is just like one prime example of why it matters um, and why uh, having, right, more and more Democratic legislators and more and more majorities in the states has a direct impact on the things that we care about, right, within the Democratic Party. And I know from my experience here, a number of our Congress members came from the state legislature in a good way, like Brendan Boyle or Madeline Dean, in bad ways from certain Republicans who, you know, that they built up their reputation. Uh, and, you know, that so who is in a state legislature in Nebraska that could very well be the next congressman person from Nebraska, right? Like you're, you're looking at the next future there. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that it's sort of, it's twofold, right? Like the leaders in these chambers, the legislators are doing incredible work. The work that they are doing is incredible. And I think that it is, and I like to recognize it right in its own right. Like it, it is an office that is worthy of attention. It is an office that is worthy of like praise and recognition and, and, Frankly, it's, it, it is enough, right? Like it is, they are having a real direct impact on their community and it's really incredible. The leaders, right? Like let's just take California example. It is the world's fourth or fifth largest economy. Um, uh, those leaders are, right? Like managing a budget uh, that is beyond the scope, right? Of what, you know, most other people do. So, um, you know, in their own right, they are powerful and important. 
But we do absolutely see, right, like lots of people who, um, you know, come into legislative office, first time candidates, first time, right, like first experience um, as an elected official, uh, you know, really honing those skills and understanding what the issues are and, and how to be a great communicator and how to be a great representative, right, to their community. And they absolutely move on, right, to, to additional offices. Uh, you, know, you look at Governor Whitmer was a former legislator. Um one really great example. Um, so is Governor Hobbs now in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And what's great about their trajectory is that not only um, do they come with the with you know the great experience they got in the legislature, they also very very much understand how critical the legislature is to to, to their ability to accomplish their goals. Yeah, I know from our experience here in Pennsylvania, you can see certain differences between Josh Shapiro, who had spent time in the legislature, and Tom Wolf. I like them both. But Josh maybe have a different way of working with the other party or working with both parties than he did than Tom Wolf did when he didn't have that same experience. I couldn't agree more. Yep. Now you're looking at the DLCC, and if you're running for office as a state rep for a state rep, there are a lot of different kind of organizations or things that you can work with to kind of figure out how to be successful. There's a DLCC, which is national. There's your state or local or county party. There's multiple parties in terms there. There's your own campaign. There's outside groups like Run for Something, which I really like, and some other places. What makes the DLCC important in that kind of rubric of all the different kind of voices that can kind of come into someone's head? Yeah, um, you know, I think we are incredibly fortunate to have more attention on, um, you know, this ballot level and, and these electeds than ever before. Um, it's incredibly encouraging. Uh, and, um, you know, I think we're still uh, in a place where, you know, that recognition and that realization of how important they are to our political ecosystem, how important they are to people's lives, like there's still room for growth there. But, um, you know, we, we love and appreciate having so many partners in this work. Um, you know, what makes us different hands down, right? We are the party committee. Like we are the permanent structure. We exist all the time. Um, we, uh, you know, have those relationships. We have the understanding, of course, of the landscape and, and how these campaigns work. And so, um, you know, we are sort of the coordinating hub. We are the, like the, we bring in the history, right? We can, talk about what has happened in the past and why it happened and how not to write, how not to do it again or how, right, to improve upon it or how to replicate it. Um, and really, right, like we bring in those sort of permanent um, resources to ensure that these um, campaigns and these legislative chambers are set up for maximum success. So you mentioned the past. I, people talk about some of the most important elections in their lifetimes. They might talk about, um, you know, Barack Obama winning in 2008, Donald Trump in 2016, Joe Biden, presidential races. But I think a lot of people who understand politics will say that 2010 was probably one of the most negatively important elections in our lifetime as, as Republicans took over a lot of state legislatures. And then you look at 2022 where... I, people were surprised by how well Democrats did flipping Pennsylvania, Michigan, Minnesota. What do you think is the difference where people do you think that as a national party, we paid more attention to it? We understood because of what happened back then where we sleep on at the asleep at the switch. You know, where do you do you think what we've grown since then or what lessons have we learned? Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely been growth, right? Like since then and um you know, if, if there is some silver lining in what happened, um, you know, after the 2010 election um, and, uh, you know, legislative chambers, right, like flipped around the country, um, 
we ushered in a completely new set of legislative leaders, right? Um, there was, right, sort of a, an annihilation, if you will, of um, Democratic legislators who had been in power, right, for a very, very long time. Um, and uh, we ushered in this new set of, of legislators and legislative leadership. It changed the face, the dynamics of who um, was in charge in these state capitals. Um, and I think for Democrats, right, uh, our uh, legislators and leaders got more diverse. There were more women. There were mothers. Um, the representation piece mattered, right? And in um, 2016, there was, a, you know, a, a real concerted effort to, um, you know, really invest and acknowledge the role of um, of state legislators and this organization, the DLCC, right, within the party. And um, a really concerted, coordinated effort to ensure that, you know, there was more recognition, that there were more people in this space, that it was, you know, funded at a more, um, or funded at a better level. And that is an ongoing, you know, it's ongoing work, but there's been a lot of progress made and there absolutely is more attention than ever before on this ballot level. And, you know, Dobbs, I think, kind of sealed that, right? The recognition that, um, the issue of abortion and reproductive health care, right, is now the responsibility of the states. And, um, you know, we got more and more uh, national media, right, to talk about it, to talk about how states and why states and what does that mean. And that's all been incredibly helpful. You talk about representation. And I think that people don't realize the lack of representation at the state legislative level. It's definitely gotten better. Though. There, finally, we have two states with a majority female legislature, right? Uh, and that's still two out of 48, which means 48 states and all the time in history before then, you know, what are we, what are you doing or what are other groups doing to encourage more women into office? I think Joanne McClinton here in Pennsylvania is awesome. It's like new representation in a lot of ways, not just in terms of her background, but just her outlook on politics. Um, is that something that you're able to be kind of forward thinking on? Do you do things that can help encourage that? Because I got to say, as a straight white male, age 18 to 45, politics is kind of set up for me, right? Like, but it's kind of, there's so many barriers in place for other people. Yeah, I mean, we've seen just an incredible, um, you know, set of of dynamic leaders, right? You mentioned Speaker jo Joanna McClinton in Pennsylvania, um, in the Pennsylvania House. Uh, we have Speaker Tate um, in the Michigan House. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've got women leaders around the country. Uh, you know, we've got diverse leadership. Actually, um, somebody who I, I think is just like really incredible and super dynamic is leader Cindy Munson. She's in Oklahoma, um, a red mm -hmm. state, right? Where uh, the role, right, like looks different. Of course, nothing feels better, right, than creating a new trifecta. It is, right, like you don't get better than that. Um, and we were fortunate, right, to come out of 2022 having created new trifectas in, um, uh, Minnesota and Michigan. Uh, and that's wonderful. And we should all celebrate that because they can get real things done and they do. And it's amazing. But, you know, what I think is often under acknowledged and underappreciated is the work that gets done in these red states. Um, you know, leader Munson is a woman of color. She is a young woman. She is a leader. Um, and, uh, she is fighting day in and day out for, you know, her and her caucus to be able to take their space, to be able to, um, you know, fight for the things that they've been elected to fight for and for the values that we all hold. And, you know, she does it day in and day out in an environment that is not friendly to people who do that, right? That that comes with 
very visceral, very personal attacks from a Republican machine, right, that is meant to sort of demoralize, right, and really take down people who are trying to, right, like, create progress um, and fight for justice. And I think that, um, you know, it is people like that who continue to do it, knowing that, you know, the, the majority is, um, is, you know, a couple steps further away and that um, settling for progress and not perfection is, you know, what is the most important thing. Yeah, I've heard a lot of um, people criticize the Democrats nationally as not doing enough in red states, like giving up on them. Uh, and you look at the issues happening on a cultural level in those places, the attacks on a trans legislator in Montana, the education issues happening in Oklahoma with Ryan Water, which is, you know, just appalling. And I've seen a lot of state reps like uh, Jacob Rosecrantz uh, and Mickey Dolans, who I've talked to on the podcast, who talk about like all they're doing against his attacks on education. What do you do to encourage people to get involved when it's an uphill battle there? Like asking someone to asking a Democrat to run for state rep in California or Maryland, that's one ask. At, you know, encouraging them in Oklahoma or South Dakota, that's a whole other ball of wax. Yeah. Um... A hundred percent. Right. That that raising their hand to run for office, um, you know, knowing that it's going to be challenging. Right. Um, I think that we are fortunate um, to be right. A part of the Democratic Party where people really believe in public service. Right. Mm -hmm. They really believe that they're there to, um, you know, serve their communities. And, um, you know, that sort of step one. I think the other thing that uh, we've experienced certainly here at TLCC is. Um, you know, that ability to to connect people, um, you know, connect a, a minority leader like Cindy Munson with, um, you know, another minority leader in, I don't know, a state like North Carolina and Robert Reeves, right? And, and give them that line of connection so that they have, um, you know, someone to talk to about what they're trying to achieve and what they're trying to do. And those connections, um, you know, between people who are running for office and, you know, sort of share, um uh, an experience um, is really helpful. I think it really helps make um, the work that they do stronger and it helps make uh, their, you know, advocacy greater. And it also, right, like just gives them a person to say, hey, this is hard, right? Like, or this is like something that we are experiencing. It is really difficult or, hey, we just had this incredible success. Like, you know, maybe you could replicate it. Um, there's something very... Um, there's something incredible about that power of connection and um, uh, the meaning behind it, particularly right in the political environment that we live in today. So if you're talking to a candidate today who's going to be running in 2024, you're thinking about 2024. I was just I recorded an episode with Caden Whitman. She's a young state rep from South Dakota. And we were talking about when I first got involved in politics, you had Senator Johnson from South Dakota. South Dakota had two Democratic senators at the time. North Dakota had two Democratic senators at the time. Now it's like, you know, we'll take any Democrat we can. It's very hard to get elected in those states. And she was talking about the long-term building you have to do. Um, is that something, how do we fix that mentality of thinking not just about the next election, but, you know, building for 10 years down the line for how it can be? Because clearly South Dakota has gone in one direction, and I don't know if there was any sort of infrastructure to change that, but if it can go in one direction, it can go in the other, right? Yeah, um, you know, part of what 
our work at the DLCC is about is being able to identify not just the opportunities that exist in the election cycle that we're in today, but to be able to see, right, like one, two, three, four, five steps ahead and start to create or build upon, right, the infrastructure, the opportunity um, that exists. And so, you know, our work isn't, um, it's not as, uh, simple, um, respectfully, right, as it is to, like when Congress, right, everyone's mm-hmm. on at the same time. Um, there are definitely dynamics that play. And so our work is is to build that out, right, and to think about like, hey, what what do we think things may look like in 2028? Like, where do we need to make sure that they're, right, like building and really believing, right, that they can get themselves there? I think that's a real part of it, right? You've got to You've got to see the opportunity. Um, Jim Ananick was the leader in the Michigan Senate um, last cycle. Um, and, uh, you know, the Michigan Senate has had been a target for Democrats for, for literal years, right? Like before 2010, right? Like the Michigan Senate was a chamber that Democrats were trying to, to build a majority in. And um, what I think is incredible about what he was able to do, he's from Flint, Michigan, right? Um he really saw that creating opportunity was also creating an ability to contrast, right, what Democrats believe in versus what Republicans believe in, um, was also about showing people what it looked like mm-hmm. to have, right, a Democratic legislator represent them in Lansing. Um, and he really brought his legislative chamber along, both the, um, the you know, the members who were elected, but also those candidates and um, you know he really rallied using every opportunity he could both you know legislative rules and the platforms that they had to tell stories and um, his ability his ability right to really lead people um, he led them into the majority he was never going to be majority leader right like that he he, he was turned out that was never going mm-hmm. to be his thing and I think if we could replicate right that ability to believe that you could be in the majority and believe that um, you uh, that it's important right to show people what it looks like um, when Democrats lead to really you know give them an opportunity to like feel that right that um, that is an important part of the puzzle yeah I spoke with uh, from Minnesota state Senator Aaron Murphy and she said she had been in the majority years ago and people were kind of uh, cautious when they got in the majority and they, she's like, we could have passed like 10 more bills and we were trying to schedule one to talk and they were so busy passing monumental legislation after monumental legislation. She's like, well, we'll get to it. We have to do this stuff first. They were very, very busy using that work. She said, you have to use the power while you have it. Is that a lesson you think that Democrats maybe, maybe they were too cautious before and now they're kind of learning what they have to do this new generation of leadership? Yeah, of all my time in state legislative politics and, um, you know, working in the states, I have never been like more moved by the work that was done than this year. The way in which Minnesota and Michigan in particular, just using them as an example, but this was not just them, right? It was around the country. You saw this, their ability to really just deliver on the promises that they made to voters, right? To do it with um, like speed and with such thoughtfulness, right? It was, it was really incredible. Um, there was no time wasted, right? Um, it was a real, 
hey, this is what we committed to do. Like, we need to get this done. Um, and they did it. And, you know, lives were truly changed. I think, you know, Minnesota is such an interesting example of a place where I just think they took such like a, a pragmatic sort of smart approach to what they were doing. And they did so many incredible things for kids and families. Mm -hmm. And um, it is just, it was incredible to see. And it is such a reminder of why, um, you know, this ballot level is so incredibly important and why the people that do this work day in and day out are, um, you know, not only incredible, but also having such a real impact on people's lives. Yeah, I'm sure you saw that meme or picture from a few months ago where they had Governor Walls with happy kids because he was expanding free lunches and then Governor Huckabee in Arkansas when they're basically letting kids work in the mines without you know work permits anymore. And there's such a stark contrast between the parties, I think, has grown starker over the years. And maybe, you know, you've seen it differently. I don't know. But um, one thing I've talked I try to talk about a lot with a lot of the guests who are in politics is mental health. Uh, you know, my my U.S. Senator John Fetterman, I'm really happy that he has made that such a important issue in the forefront through his struggles. And, you know, when you're in the majority in a state like Michigan or Minnesota this year, you can feel really good about your mental health because you got a lot done. But it's really hard when you're a Democrat in Montana and you see the attacks on the one trans legislator. You can, Or you see what's going on with really terrible legislation in Oklahoma or Missouri. Um, is that something that you've talked about with anyone, whether it's at the DLCC or candidates about like how to take care of themselves and, and keep going? Yeah. I mean, we talk a lot, right. About not just from the legislative side, cause, you, cause you're right. Right. If you're in Minnesota, you've got right. Like are you really more power, right. Than somebody in Montana right now mm -hmm. to, you know, to, to affect change um, through legislation. But the truth is right. That you get on the campaign trail and uh, if you care about people at all, right. It's, it's hard to escape it. And um, the world is so heavy right now. Um, there are so many challenges that people face and, you know, we talk a lot, you know, in more formal ways and in, frankly, more casual ways, just like human to human, right. Of, of sort of what it looks and feels like and what it means to, um, you know, just kind of like take a moment and take a break and get offline for a little bit. Um, and really just like process, right. Cause the stakes are incredibly high, but none of us alone can solve all those problems, right. We can't tackle everything at, um, every moment. And so, being able also to acknowledge and to recognize and frankly to accept, right, in the positive way, the progress points, knowing that there's more work to be done um, and knowing that, uh, you know, we've got a lot of people's lives in our hands, right, and a lot of communities um, that desperately need somebody to speak up for them. Um, and that's, you know, a, a really powerful thing. So we have two elections coming up. Well, we have a lot of elections coming up. But first of all is... Um, Virginia and New Jersey in 2023, we're just a few weeks away uh, from when this podcast is up. What is there anything people should know now about the importance, especially of Virginia? Yeah, I mean, if you live in Virginia, vote, oh, right? Okay. <laughs> like, get your friends to vote, call everyone you know, right? Do everything you can to get people to vote. Um, the uh, state legislators are at the top of the ballot. Um, uh, they are top of the ticket here, and we just need everyone active and um, activating, right, all of their networks um, and, and showing up. It's really, really critically important. 
Well, and ne- next year is the 2024 elections. Everyone's already just focused on, you know, Biden versus Trump, probably. They're also maybe focused on Congress because there, well, is there a Congress, basically, with everything going on? But so people might not be thinking about state legislatures. The podcast is called You Should Run. Why do you think now in the tail end of 2023, people should be investing in either running themselves or helping someone else run for state legislatures for the next election? Yeah, I mean, the party's platform is getting done in the states, right? Like, it is clear that um, Congress and, you know, our Supreme Court has moved so much of this work into the states. Um, the impact has always been incredible, but I think it's never, it hasn't been more visually um, impactful than it is today. Um, so if, you know, somebody's considering running for office, like, absolutely, this is a great place to have, right? Like, real incredible impact on on one's communities and, you know, for the next, um, you know, few months as we move closer to like filing deadlines and stuff, right, there's going to be candidates that are recruited all around the country. Um, so if, you know, folks are interested, uh, definitely r- raise your hand. Um, it's never been, it's just never been more important. And, and sort of, like I said, right, there's more um, attention at this ballot level than there has been. And we're going to continue to tell the story so that we bring even more folks into this world. Um, but you know, the contrasts are, are stark when you look at the challenges that we face within our federal system right now and the progress that we're making in States. Um, it's, it's, it's really incredible. And, um, you know, we're so proud of, of what everyone's doing. And what should people do first? If someone right now is in Oklahoma, like you mentioned, or they're in Montana or New York or whatever state, there's 50 of them, right? Uh, If they think that things are messed up on their state level and they want to do something, where do you think is the first place they should go to ask a question to to take that next step? Not just asking their friend, what do you think I should do, but like to, you know, really put the effort into running for office. What should they do first? Yeah, well, I mean, if I could ask anybody to do anything first, right, if you know people in Virginia or in New Jersey, it would be to ask them to vote. Um, Number one, right, like our our democracy depends on it. Um, But, you know, if they're interested in running for office, um, you know, there are, uh, you know, raise your hand to your state party, um, you know, reach out to um, uh, an elected official, right? Um, uh, That's a great place to start, um, you know, to say, hey, I'm I'm interested. and, you know, really look at that landscape. I think it is now the time, right, when folks are really thinking about it. And, you know, whether it's a red state or a blue state or, a, you know, a state that has a real opportunity to create a new majority this year or one, right, that's on the rise, um, you know, we need people to stand up and run for office. And, um, you know, every one of these Democratic state legislators has such an incredible impact. Um, and it's so just incredibly important. And if people want to reach out to the DLCC, learn what that's about, the importance of legislators, uh, what's the best way that they can reach out, maybe get involved or ask questions? Yeah, um, sort of the classic methods, right? The website is a great place, um, a great place to get information, a great place to engage, um, a great place to reach out and connect with us. Um, Same with uh, sort of, you know, your standard social media, right? Demas will happily uh, respond and engage and um, you know, if folks are interested in information or who to connect with in states, happy to grab any of that stuff for folks and and do everything that we can to make sure that people feel right a, a part of this um, ballot level because it's 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 really important. 
great. Well, I'll make sure to include that link in, in the bio when I put this up. Is there anything you want to end on about, like, th anything you're feeling hopeful about when it comes to the state of the state Democrats across the country? Yeah, the, we are so privileged to be sitting in a place uh, where our work is about the states because there is so many incredible things happening, so many great stories um, you know, from these majority chambers, people who are, you know, using every power that they have to create the greatest opportunities in states where Democrats are in the minority right now. Um, it's just uh, an incredible time. We ended the election last year, right? Um, not losing anything in a midterm, which was incredible. So I think we feel like we've got, you know, a really good plan and a really good um, strategy as we move through 2023 and into 2024. Great. Well, I appreciate all the DLCC is doing. I really hope anyone listening takes a good hard look at state legislators, legislatures, whether you're running yourself or helping someone else. Thank you so much, Heather, and, and best of luck to you in 2023 in Virginia, New Jersey, and 2024 all across the country. Thank you, Tony. Thank you so much for doing this. This is an incredible platform, and um, all of the folks that you've been highlighting are so incredible. If you're listening, maybe you should run for office too.